0: Welcome back to the Dream Lab series podcast, where we take you behind the mindset of high achievers. My name is Audrey Diaz-Robles,
1: and I am your life and confidence coach. I'm Sabrina Castillo, and I'm your life and business coach here at the Dream Lab. And today, I'm excited for a really special guest, Audrey, that you have gotten to know really well, right?
0: So, you know, I was just thinking about how Other people might have like this scary image of social media, right? Like stranger danger and just burnout from social media. But when you really cultivate who you follow, who you allow into your circle, you meet really cool people like our guest today on our show.
1: Maggie Ortiz um, is our guest for today. And she is a marketer and entertainer dedicated to elevating her cultura wherever she goes. She's from New York, Puerto Rican, Argentinian, Dominican roots. So all the mixes, which I think a lot of us can relate. And Maggie really finds inspiration and motivation in pouring into the Latinx community. And currently she is the manager of multicultural marketing over at HBO and HBO Max. And she develops audience first campaigns that really connects programming to the right audiences through culture first lens. I think being able to show up at work authentically and creating space for the Latinx community is something that's so important. And so we are excited to have Maggie on today. Welcome Maggie. Hi, hola hola. Hi Maggie, welcome. Thank you ladies for having me.
0: So Maggie, can you tell us a little bit about
2: yourself? Sure, Uh, thank you for that intro, Sabrina. Um, So I am a Puerto Rican, Dominican, Argentinian girl from Queens, born and raised, haven't left. Um, Someone who has been very proud of her culture and at a young age knew that whatever it was that i wanted to pursue in terms of my career i knew that it had to be with my community and con mi gente um you know i was very fortunate to have you know my parents that really empowered me that although i didn't see myself on the screen as are people that look like me or see like, you know, or talk like me on the screen that come in and out of Spanish, uh, Spanglish, right? That um, they really fostered a space for me to to be like, irrelevant if you don't see that, sigue pa'lante, you keep moving forward. Like, you're gonna find your space, don't rush. Um, so I started, uh, I graduated with a marketing degree at Baruch College I thought I was going to be in PR Was that Tommy Hilfiger doing PR and I was like, you know what? This is not for me. Um, you know, with PR, I thought it was like the glamorous life, like, oh my God, I'm going to be in front of the cameras and with all the famous people, nada that So I'm like, okay, pivot. Um, then went into marketing at uh, sales and marketing at Men's Health Magazine. So I ended up in the publishing industry. Um, not necessarily with my community, but I'm like trying to figure out in what sector of marketing I, I belong in. Um, I cuenta. I didn't, you know, sales was not for me. Pivoted over to international marketing at Hearst Magazines, and there is when I started to hit the sweet spot. I was I was fortunate to work with um, international editions of Cosmopolitan, Harper's Bazaar, Esquire, Marie Claire. And when I was working with the Latin American offices, I was like, okay, these people sound like me. These people understand the culture. Let me dive into this more. Unfortunately, our team got laid off after a year and a half being there and I was stuck. Um, I'm like, where can I find something that really taps into my culture, into my people and, and, and be in a space where I can be myself and not have to like, for ejemplo, I need to keep my hair tied back because if I leave my hair curly, like, you know, I may not seem educated or like proper or none of So, Like the stereotypes that come along with, you know, being Latina, having, you know, textured hair. Um, so it took me about a year. It took me about a year, uh, not being employed. I started to um, question myself as a professional. Um, It was an emotional toll on me for sure, because I'm like, I'm applying for these roles that I am now overqualified, and nobody's calling me. I'm applying for these roles that I'm right where they need me, me and nobody's giving me any feedback. What is it that I'm doing wrong? I was living on LinkedIn. I spent eight hours a day applying, doing cover letters, trying to sell myself and no one bite. And then I came across, I'm sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. I was at, as an associate manager at Hearst, had just gotten promoted. So I'm like, great. But at the same time, I was like, am I enough to be a manager in a new space? Do I take a step down? You know, I, I really started to ask myself those questions. Um, and it was really hard, your ego gets in the way. And it's like, I already earned my stripes. So I'm not gonna apply for a coordinator role. You. you I, I I I I'm more than that. I'm better than that entre parenthesis. Um and I came across a multicultural coordinator role at HBO and saw that Jessica Vargas, who is my jefa, my boss, um, was one of the directors hiring. And I was like, you know what? And I questioned myself. I'm like, it's a coordinator role. I hope it's not administrative work because I've already been there, done that. But the work sounds interesting, and it seems it, to me like it's on the right path. Déjame aplicar. I wrote to her on LinkedIn, and literally my note was like, if you're looking for a Latina that's ready to hit the ground running, let's connect. And I'm like, that may have been too cheesy. Quizá no me contesta. She might not reply to me. Um, and two days later, she's like, send me a resume, and let's chat. And I'm like, oh, I already submitted my application like two weeks prior to me even reaching out to you. Um, fast forward, we had the interview process, what I appreciate was that Dominicana, super chill, like someone who authentically embraces herself. And I'm like, fuck, like, this is what I, this is what I want. Like, this is what I want to be. And like, show up to work, like not having to worry about like, okay, I have to turn into this person now. Right. Um, and she was very much like, although this is a coordinator role, I'm telling you right now, it's just me and you. So you're gonna be doing work of a manager, just so you have the title. And I'm like, fuck it, it's for my community. This is the lane I wanna go, I don't care. Forget about titles. And it's through this job that I learned at the end of the day, titles mean shit. They don't mean anything. I think it's what's important is, you know the, the, the people that um, are around you in the workplace And and the work shows for itself. So I've been with HBO now for three years. Uh, I have been promoted, went from coordinator to associate manager, now manager. Um, And I've been very fortunate to have someone like Jessica who's always rooting for me Um, and always making sure that I am top of mind. Like I never had to go to her to ask for a promotion. Like that is the beauty of having a boss that sees you for who you are and understands your work. Like one shouldn't have to ask for a promotion. Uno be, and I learned that, as you know, when I become a boss, right? That I shouldn't have someone that works with me have to ask for a promotion. If she's already putting in the work, if I see the opportunity, I'm gonna go after it. Um, So really grateful for, with her, for her and for her to also like create this bond with me that gives me the liberty to to kind of, you know, spread my wings and do the work and that she trusts me. And I think that's something that's very important, especially in the workplace um, because it, it, it doesn't limit you. Um, and she allows me to be myself and that I can talk to her sin and, filtro. And sometimes I can be like, hey, Jess, you know, I may not agree, but I feel comfortable enough to, to, to have a, a, a healthy debate. Right? It's not someone that she's like my I'm her subordinate. She has never created that environment for me. And I think something that is um, it's something that's very unique and that I'm very grateful for because I know a lot of people do not have that opportunity in the workplace or that that environment. Um, I know I may have deviated a little bit, but that's kind of like where I am right now. Um, and what we do is we elevate content that is for the community not only just uh, what we call Latino original programming, which is culturally relevant, but we also elevate programming that indexes high with the Latino community. So for example, Game of Thrones, Insecure, Big Little Lies, Succession. Although those shows are not particularly um, Latino shows, uh, the the Latino audience comes to watch it. So how do we make sure that they feel seen when we're marketing those shows? irrelevant of whether there's a Latino lead or storyline or
1: look at feo. So, yeah. I mean, you said so much there. I'm gonna go <laughs> back a little bit. Cause I, I think that you, a lot of the time is, like you said, really taking a step back and allowing yourself to see where you fit in. Mm-hmm. But you went through that, right? Where it's it's been a year. And when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, if I told someone like, you're gonna have to wait a year for your dream role, they would say yes, but in the moment they can't even have that perspective, right? Because you just, like you said, you start questioning yourself. Am I the one, is it me? Or am I asking for too much? Is what I want even like Mm -hmm. available to me, right? And so then we start to undersell ourselves because now you're just like in this mindset of like, okay, yes, I I just need to work, right? And like you said, a lot of this really has to do with really staying true to yourself and trusting that what you're looking for is for you, right? So in that time where you were pivoting, what was your mindset around just allowing yourself to say like, you know what? Because I'm a marketing major too and it's so funny. I went into PR and there were times where I was like, I like PR but like I'd like to do something else and I don't think I really allowed myself the permission to pivot into other aspects of marketing until much later. And, and it was that because like once you pick a lane, you sort of feel like you have to like build momentum within that lane because yeah. like you said, when you pivot, you're not gonna lose, um, you didn't waste your time, right? But there is this part where you're gonna have to, you're entering a new lane. So you might not, okay. it might not be just like a easy transition Mm-hmm. So what was your mindset in just that first piece of the way you were pivoting? Like saying like, you know what? I wanna try other things.
2: Yeah, so I think um, for with the transition from PR into marketing or sales and marketing, um, what ended up happening was a life, um, life, it was life. And I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, while I was freelancing at Tommy Hilfiger, They told me, Maggie, hang tight, you're gonna, we wanna make you permanent. And I'm like, great, coming out of college, I'm like, finally, I can get a full-time job, right? Even irrelevant of the fact that whether I liked it or not, I'm just like, oh, it's a good brand name, it's a good name on my resume, like, let me, like, I'm gonna do it. And like, make my way within the company. Um, And then unfortunately, I got into a really bad accident. Um, I was run over by an SUV twice. So saw my, as a pedestrian, saw my life literally flash in front of me. Um, this was in 2012. Uh, the one day that my father didn't take me to the, the train station because he was still sleeping. And I'm like, hey, I am ready early. You know, let me just go. Me. Um, and that happened. Um, and I had a fractured pelvis in three different areas. Was in the hospital for about a week. Uh, No surgery because you can't, they they couldn't operate on me. They're like, we just need to let your pelvis kind of shift back to um, where it should be. And from there, we will see. Um, For those that are not familiar, your pelvis is your core and really helps you with everything. So even sitting up in the hospital bed was excruciating uh literally had to learn how to walk again um so the the people in the hospital were like i don't know if someone how someone of your stature doesn't have any broken bones in her legs um and then it was because I was like you know i'm i'm very dedicated to like my fitness and they're like that's what saved you that's what saved you literally that's what saved you um so it was um It was tough, not only physically because, like I know how to walk, I know how to walk. But the idea and the whole left foot, right foot, and that my body was not responding to it. It was a total mind fuck. So like I'm not only physically was I torn and excuse me for my language, but like mentally and emotionally, I was fucked. I'm like, now here's this job that I was so close to having. Right, that I thought was going to be great. Ahora no lo tengo. I don't have it. Um, you know, it was. I didn't know how long my recovery was going to be. You know, um, and they were just like, "Maggie, we can try and hold on as much as we can." And I'm like, "I get it. Go look for someone else." Um, hindsight, I'm glad. Like, yes, what happened to me was terrible, but hindsight, it was it wasn't going to be for me. Um, So, yes, at that point in time, I was just like, fuck, this isn't like I had I was so close, so close. And everything just went away. Um, But, yeah, I had nine months of intensive rehab. Um, I was on they wanted to give me Percocet uh, for the pain. Um, I didn't even finish taking the pills while I was at home. I'm like, you know, I want that because, you know, you can get addicted to that stuff. Um, so nine months intensive rehab until I was able to walk again with no apparatus or anything like that. And there, that's when I started my job search again, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back and I'm going to hit these streets. I may not be able to walk in my heels like I used to, but you know, vamos. Y, Y ahí is when I found, um, I was like, you know what, let me try. I was like, what are some other things that I learned in school? That, me llamo la atención. So I'm like, all right, I studied marketing. Let me look into marketing. Um, and I feel like in the beginning, you, especially coming from like a Latino background, it's just like, business is safe, make money, right? Um, and I felt like, okay, I need to find a brand that's like reputable and like there, I'll find my way. Maybe it might not be the same, maybe exactly what I want. And I feel like at that point in time in my life, I was so young. Like, you think you know what you want, but you don't know, right? And it's a lot of trial and error. Like, it wasn't really until I got to HBO where I'm like, all right, this is what I want to do. Now I'm starting to hone in more. on like, okay, what are the other elements? So, um, yeah, I think it was that pivot was because of that life experience um and me trying to figure out all right now how can I get myself back in the workforce um what what do I what are my strengths when I'm looking at a job description like okay I check off this box I check off this box and that's another problem that I have and I feel that a lot of women go through especially Latina women in comparison to men that apply to jobs it's like you feel like you need to check off every single fucking box in order to apply for a job and at that point in time in my life I'm like if I can't even check off all 10, I'm not gonna apply for it because I don't want to set up myself for failure. I always want to set myself up for success, success. And um, that was also something that was like that very, like that hindered my job search. I'm like, no, I'm not good enough. I can't, I've never done that before in my previous job. So, like, what happens if they ask me to do that? And then I'm like a deer in headlights, and I don't know how to answer it, or I don't know how to do it, or something like that. Um So yeah i don't know if that answers the question i just went like
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think it it just shares so much because i think you know when i did your intro i know people be like wow like she has this job and all this but i don't think people realize that all of us have things that happen in our lives that really change things for us and that it's important to have a strong mindset not only like mentally, but physically, so that you can persevere these things? One of the
0: things that really sticks out to me as you tell all of these things that's happened to you in your career search is how you've always had such a strong sense of who you are. You know, we've had a lot of guests here, but we haven't gone into the way that we as Latinas have to or feel that we should assimilate to how everybody else looks in culture, like is my, should I have my hair curly? Should I get rid of my hoop earrings? Mm
1: -hmm. But I get the sense
0: with you that you've always said, no, this is who I am and I need to create a space or find a space in which I can authentically be myself.
1: And Mm -hmm.
0: it's, it's been so important for you to share your Latin heritage in the work that you do. And even in your accident, the fact that you said that fitness has always been strong for you you know that my background started in fitness so having a strong core is such a metaphor for life right. because you had a strong core physically you were able to also have this strong core mentally to get through the things that you went through so you've always carried the strong sense of identity and purpose into the work that you've done so can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up? Like, I, I'm curious as to what role your parents played in this mindset and this need for you to express who you are in the work that you do.
2: Yeah, um, so <laughs> my mom is a psychologist uh, and me, deals mainly with with special ed um, children, in particular, from kindergarten to like second grade. Um, and my father is a... New York police officer, now retired NYPD. So I was brought up very uh, sheltered, in a way, uh, in comparison to a lot of my other friends. Um, At the time, my mother knew all of my friends, their phone numbers where they lived, if I stepped out of the house. Um, I now as an adult, I understand why my mother was so strict with me. And also, seeing things that are happening with young girls nowadays i'm like oh my god i would be petrified y ahora, like everything makes sense where i was younger, i'm like this lady's crazy like let me live my life um but yeah my mother um my parents have always been very encouraging um to anything that i wanted so i was you know the the daughter that brought in this, you know, good grades and like anything they asked me to do, I did because I never wanted to fail in their eyes. And I think that's something that also a lot of Latina daughters go through um, whether you're the oldest, the youngest or lo que sea, or the only girl. So I'm the oldest, I was the first child and then I have a younger brother, the two, two years younger. Um, but I, I I I feel the the pressure, not the pressure, because I don't think they do it intentionally. But it's like, in your early years, or your school life, right? I'm like, the star child. Right. And when I got into adult life, and like my career, I still felt like, when I lost my job, I'm like, Oh, my God, my what are my parents gonna think? You know, I, I was scared. Still, like, I felt like a child, like, Oh, my God, like, as if I had a bad grade or a bad report card, like, Give van a pensar, like, that I was not good enough that they let me go. Like, and it was out of my control. Like, it was literally a business decision where they wanted my team placed in the European office and no longer in New York. Um, But when I went back, I think that's something that like, is stuck in your head for so many years and they may not tell you that or say that or no, right? And I, I went to tell them and I was like ashamed of myself, ashamed, and they were like, what you're you're crazy, like it's totally fine like they have been encouraging for from day one um strict but encouraging i mean in comparison to my brother, I was like on a tight leash, yes, okay, I wasn't a quote unquote wild child, but I do think that because of that in a way, it has groomed me to who I am now um I feel like I'm, at a young age, I was mature than the rest of the, the my counterparts or people that I associated with. I was also raised in the nightlife, so industry. And that was because after my father retired, my father went into promoting. So this is where the music comes into play in my life. My father used to promote salsa, nightlife in New York City. And my first job was working the door for him. I was in high school, 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, and I was doing the guest list and collecting money because my father's parties were after work, right? So my father's like, you want to make money? You're going to come work with me and you're going to learn the value of a dollar. Like, I know that I give you everything and I I've, everything that I've gotten from my parents, um, I've earned. Always like, okay, you do well in school, you'll get this. You do well in this, you'll get that, right? Um, Never like I was just giving gifts all the time. It was like, okay, yo tengo que cumplir con esto. I'm sorry, your listeners are Spanglish, right? Yeah, (laughs) I have to comply with this. So if I do this, then I will get that. Um, So anyway, I was like, I want to start making money. Like, let me work in like a store, da, 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 da. And my father's like, no, no,
0: no, 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 no.
2: You can come and work with me. And I remember telling my friends, oh yeah, I got to go to the club now. It was an after work party. My father's, you know, uh, clientele was very much like, happy hour. So from like five to 10, five to five, yeah, five to 10, five to 11. So I would be there sitting with my homework and I was not even of age to be in those spaces, but I would come across at that time, 30 year olds talking to me about life. And I'm just like, oh, like, you know, I could be your daughter, right? Like, and you're telling me these things, like just someone to talk to, because I'm not in the mix. Um, and then from there, I kind of like branched off to other promoters that my father knew. And they're like, we need someone trustworthy at the door with our money. And my father's like, Hey, here's my daughter. Make sure you find a way to get her home safe. You know, my father was always in close contact, whoever else I worked with, but I kind of branched off that way. And I think that contributed to also me being very mature than most of the people my age, because I've always been surrounded by people who were much older than me. And they're like seeing me do my homework at the door or like studying. And they're like, how are you doing this with music blasting? I'm like, because there's no other option. I got to make my money. Like, I mean, yes, I could have went to a store, but that was what my parents wanted me to do, you know? Um, and at that time I used to go, and I used to go to school the next day. It wasn't like it was Friday night that I would do it and then sleep in the next day. I would go home tired and then go to school the next day. And, and, my, and my friends were like, and there were times where i was like tired or hungover but not from drinking but but sueño. Yeah, um, no sleeping. um i was, was working i was working was but this I in the can, city uh, yeah yeah so like i worked at the copa i worked at line quarter like none of my none of people in my generation know about those
1: places i'm like and pretty sure like probably we've crossed 15 past 15 years older than you so i'm pretty sure we've crossed paths because absolutely yeah. In 2014, 15, I was doing public relations for Aventura and people like that. And Latin mm-hmm. Quarters was like a. That know, when I was in the Latino scene. I can relate a lot to really wanting to work where you want to be seen. Like, my goal out of college was to work for a Latino PR agency. And so I fortunately had never had to tone down who I was because I've always worked in spaces where people look like me, right? Like my my first job out of college, everybody was Latino because it was a Latino agency. And we did Latino media, Spanish PR for big corporate companies, but everybody was Latino, you know? And then when I did go into corporate, I was hired uh, because of my experience in the Latino community. So they were just like, no, we need to know who you really are. We need to know, we need to know about your people basically. Right. So weird, but it's like then I started to get hired because I had come from places like that and I was showing up really authentically. So I think just knowing that there are spaces like that, right? Right. So I've I've always been the one to wear like hoops and meetings and red lipstick and it's not stereotypical. <laughs> like I genuinely like it, yeah. but the <laughs> so one thing I don't really, like relate to you know, however I want to show up, I can show up, right? Um, mm. And it's, I think it's important. Um, there was important. one There was one comment that was made to
2: me um, while I was in a space that was non-Latinx, um, where a colleague, and I know I wasn't uh, done con malicia, but, you know, I was very, my hair slicked back, always in a bun. Very few times that they see me with my hair loose. And he made a comment and said, I guess, you know, he was like, um, he didn't do something I had asked for him to do and he was a superior, but we had a very like friendly relationship. And he's like, oh, I know you must be hiding a blade underneath that bun. Cause you know, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Exacto. Yeah. And I know how you Puerto Ricans roll. And I was like, I was young. This was my first full time job in corporate America. How do I reply to something like that? Which I know he didn't do it wrong. Like he didn't say it in a bad way, but you don't say shit like that without me losing my job. Right? Yeah, these um, microaggressions. Aggressions, exactly. Yeah. The microaggressions. And I'm like, I said, uh, I was almost going to say his name. Uh, I just looked at him and I'm like, really? You look at me? You see me that way? You see me as someone aggressive that like you think that it's funny to 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 say that I have a blade hidden in my bun? Like who does all your work for you and makes you look good? I guess this girl that has the blade in her bun, Right. And I walked away and he sent me a, he came after her and he's like, I'm so sorry, you know, I was just kidding, ta-da-da-da. and I'm just like, you don't say those things. You know, like that really hurt because like that's a stereotype that I never wanted to like fall into that category. Or even like my people in general. Like, well, because you see that shit in the movies, like, come on. I was like, don't have, don't have me like I could have done tit for tat and said something about the Jewish community. But I chose not to, I took the higher road, right? So um that was though for me when it clicked, and I'm like, I need to be in my next spot, I wanna I wanna be myself without having to worry about being myself or that I'm seen in this lens. Um and although it took me a while to get there, um I'm very grateful that that there are spaces and I want people that are listening to understand that like it may not come right away, but people like such as myself and like Jessica are really trying to foster spaces in corporate America in the workplace for our people to thrive because when one grows, we all grow, right? So it's like, whenever there's an opening for anywhere, right, that I know someone, I'm like, who do I know that fits the qualities already? Like, here, the Tiro is this job listing. Apply for it, right? Because, like, the more that we get involved in these spaces, we wouldn't have to worry about, oh, my God, I can't go out with my hair curly, or, oh, my God, I can't be my authentic self, or speak in Spanglish, or move my head when I talk, and the people don't think that I'm aggressive, or that right. wearing big hoops is, a, is an issue, or coming with red lipstick is a thing, like, It shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing.
1: You know, it's Um, so interesting what you, two things you said that I I wanna like really highlight. One is you had the courage and wisdom within that conversation, the wisdom to not take it personal, right? And being like, I know that it wasn't malicious. Like, I'm not taking this against you, but I have the courage to say like what you did, what you said was wrong, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And I think it's so important for us to really, be prepared for those moments but also like how would I want to show up in that moment and that was a teachable moment because you didn't brush it under you didn't prove him right right you didn't wild out on him right and he (laughs) got to a point where he recognized like hey listen this not what I'm I'm you know they're always going to justify them like oh I was joking but at least it was recognized and I think it's important
2: um
1: And the other thing I have a question around, which I love what you said, because I always strive for that, which is being the leader and becoming the leader that I really needed when I was kind of walking into spaces and your boss has been that for you and now you're really working towards that. I think a lot of us, I think a lot of people who have gone through really traumatic experiences in the workforce carry that for a very long time right? And Mm -hmm. when given the opportunity to be a leader, they still lead with some of those chips on their shoulder. And it really prevents them from becoming the best leader that they can become, the type of leader they would have wanted. So how do you really cultivate those leadership skills for yourself and the culture that you're trying to build? Because you don't have to go work just for the Latino department or the Latino agency for these spaces. Like I believe that they exist in many places because I did work in places where I was the only Latina and I always felt, I had some of those conversations but comfortable enough for me to feel that way because I knew there was always one or two of us talking. And and if you saw another Latina, you'd be like, girl, me and you, right? (laughs) like that's my tribe. That's my tribe. And we're gonna really try to build you know, communities we want within the workforces. So how do you really cultivate those leadership skills for yourself as you're stepping into these roles? I think it's, um, and, and, and,
2: and, and I don't know if I have a direct answer for that because um, I think it's just the examples of the people that I've surrounded myself with, right? Um, my parents, for, for example, like my mother is one of the very few daughters that has graduated from college and was close to getting her doctorate um, while having two kids. Um, you know, my father has always also been that th- that type of person that doesn't follow the crowd and create your own path. Um so I think it stems from like the examples that have been in my environment. So my parents in the workforce, um, you know, and then there's people that I follow, for example, that that don't even know that they're like my mentors, right? That, and you know, then that's the one good thing about social media is that I can't think of that there's people that you follow that are just like, you know what, this is a great example like i i I would strive to be some something similar to that, not exactly like them, but in my own way um and I think the the that pivotal moment for me was like in my act during my accident, right like i can't I only have me, right I need to create a name for myself. how am I going to do that? show your work um and I think you know it's also. I think it's also your tribe, having people around you that really encourage you and push you to do things that you may be scared to do. I'm very fortunate to have a close group of friends that, irrelevant of what's going on, they're like, Maggie, keep going. My husband, the same thing. There are times where I'm like scared out of my mind and I'm like, oh my God, I don't think I can do this. This is not me. And he's like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Like That there's someone giving you that pep talk tambien that that um that really pushes you um and I, I, I to your point, sabrina, it's like i I think what pushes me forward and I guess to 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 continue as a leader um is to create spaces for people like my like the Maggie that was 15, 16 years old, trying to figure out her place in life, the Maggie that was twenty years old, trying to figure out her place in life, you know um yeah i don't i i I can't like put it into words but i really think it is your tribe your your the, the examples of the people that are that surround you and the support system at least for me um for sure
0: i really love your story because one of the things that we've talked about here before is really embracing your journey and where you are and staying true to yourself, what you can learn from every step of the way. And listening to you, that's exactly what you've done. You've listened to your roots, you've tried to remain authentic to the way you were raised and the things that you believe in to keep going. And that has kept opening doors and doors and doors for you. And I'm so excited to see where you're going next. But before we wrap up, can you tell us about your favorite books, what you tune into, what keeps your mindset strong?
2: Oh, so uh, I actually do not have an answer for that. I am not going to lie to you. I have not read in a long time, and I need to pick it back up. Um, Work has really taken over. But what, for me, what keeps me going is music. Music is my drug. And it's projects. And I'm I'm fortunate that with, with HBO and HBO Max that I'm able to work on projects that are really fulfilling for me. Pushing the Latin music genre forward is something that is very important to me. Um, We're not in a box, we are mainstream. I think now is when people are starting to understand that. Um, So, I would say, in terms of who I listen to, I I think I'm a little bit all over the spectrum because I can go from pop, ballad, bembo to tango, samba, sertanejo. but what keeps me kind of calm in times of high stress is someone like Pablo Alboran, who has a very like soothing voice. Um who else? I mean, I love me some Ricky Martin. Right now I'm in like my I'm tapping into my aventura phase. Uh just getting me in the mindset for the project. But oh, I am sorry, I haven't I haven't read a book and then and...
0: no but this oh, is what? a great <laughs> because let's talk about this sometimes it is about finding the right book that's going to motivate right. you teach you so many things but other times you need a really good playlist to get into a certain zone see yeah and that i got you yeah. I mean, yeah. And then when we look at some of the projects that you've worked on, like Juan Luis Guerra, Cuatro Cuarenta, Entre Mal y Palmeras, and now Romeo's project, you're really seeing people that were, like you said, marginalized and have been able to take their craft and bring it into right. a whole other level. And that's inspiration. Right. Because that's dedication. That's, in a way, personal development and pushing yourself forward. Yeah, 100, 110%.
1: When I talk, when I coach women, I always, they they're, they're I think they find this a little bit surprising, but I'll go into teaching about managing your energy. And I I do like read a lot and have a lot of podcasts. And I think they think I'm gonna say something that they haven't heard before. And I'm like, okay, you need three playlists: One to melt you down one to hype you up and mm-hmm. then one that just gets you into like feeling really good in your skin authentically and that and that's really the way I find managing your energy works best, right? Sometimes I, I do need like a podcast to pump me up or like, you know, um, a personal development video but sometimes I don't have 45 minutes, right? Sometimes I got yeah. four minutes to shift my mind
2: mm-hmm. and music
1: does that, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. It is something that is for me transforming um, and it's gotten me through my darkest days and some of my best moments. Like I um, I posted on social media, which I was actually surprised that I did something like that because I don't really put too much of my personal life, but we launched Palante, which is the Latinx audience initiative for, for HBO Max. And it took me, a, it took us a year. It took us a year, a year of pivots, three different launch dates, and when it finally went out into the universe, I I, I recorded myself, and this was more for myself. Like I, I recorded myself dancing to our the anthem that we had created for Palante, which is Bembe by Orishas, which I highly recommend you guys listen to because it's a very like upbeat song and like very Palante push forward like right. So I was like, let me just document this moment. I'm like in my living room dancing, like really feeling the vibes. And the song ended and I just broke into tears. I broke into tears. And it was because I had put so much love into this project that there were many times, many times that I didn't think it was gonna see the light of day. Um, it, long nights where I didn't even talk to my husband, my husband's like, I can't hear palante anymore. Like, oh, he said palante, 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 Because, you know, COVID, I'm working in my house and we are in a one bedroom apartment. Um, But yeah, I, I started, I just broke out into tears because it was just like un alivio, like a sign of relief. And also like, I did it. I did it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to just share it. I'm going to just share it and let people take it however the fuck they want to take it. At the end of the day, it'll go away in 24 hours. People may see me as weak. I don't give a fuck, but this is a project that was very important for me. Um, and that when people see it now out in the universe, they understand how much work went into this uh on the back end. Because here's this girl that's jumping up and down and then out of nowhere, she just like is breaking into tears. What happened? And it's because I put so much into it that I'm just like oh, it's out. I can't believe it. Like It it was a, a beautiful feeling, to be honest. Um, but also to be in touch with your emotions. And I'm like, why do I have to hide that? It was more for me. And I was like, I want everyone to see it because there were plenty of nights where I was crying. I was stressed the fuck out. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Is this going to even happen? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know we're super over
1: time, but this was great. No, thank you so much for yes. sharing so much of yourself, showing up authentically. And I think it, you being that way, I know helps other people saying, you know what? I, I wanna strive for that. Like you said, not exactly, but we all need to be mirrors to each other. So thank you. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you ladies so much. And thank you for
2: this community that you guys, that you ladies have created. You know, and it really is something inspiring. And I think that personally, um, I want to say thank you because we need more spaces like this and we need ladies like you to help also put things into perspective. Like I may take you ladies up on a life coaching uh, (laughs) lesson or course because, you know, we may think we have it all figured out, but sometimes you need people to help put things into perspective. Like, okay, I'm going into my next chapter, in my next phase. Yeah. What's a healthy way for me to go about it? Um, so also the girls, that are, the women that are listening, like, although it may seem like I have my shit together,
1: I don't. And it's okay. <laughs> that last part is the most important part. Exactly. exactly. There's so many pivots. that You end one and then there's another one. And I think just, feeling good that it's okay. Like, I got through one, I got through two. Because That's that nice. serves
0: the purpose too. It's
1: yeah. all
0: useful.
2: And Audrey, I give you so many kudos. I know because I follow you on, on Instagram. Mommy of three, you're running a podcast. I mean, you're a life coach. I I look at you and I'm like, Si esta mujer tiene la energía para sí, Como yo no, porque yo no tengo hijo. Solamente tengo mi trabajo. Right. But I put so much into my work that I'm like, cansado. like, I just need to, like, and this is why I say, like, I don't have, I, I don't make the time. I'm not going to say I don't have the time. I don't make the time to read or listen to a podcast because, of the, or, you know, do things for myself because by the time I'm done and I disconnect, yo me quiero cerrar los ojos, escuchar, or entrenar. Fitness and music is what keeps me moving forward. Um, but I give you so much kudos, Audrey, because I see your stories and I'm like, si esta mujer lo puede hacer, yo también. Voy a seguir. Voy a seguir para adelante.
0: Thank you so much. And it's one day at a time, but it's just like you said, it's like, it might look one way, <laughs> but right. deep, you know, it's, it's us working through the messiness of life because that's what makes life. Exacto. Yeah. Exacto.
1: Thank you so much, Maggie. Have a beautiful day, and we're gonna have you back. Okay. I had I wrote more notes down that I couldn't. Get Dale.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, and please send me over some some uh, book recommendations. Now you guys have put me to a, cha- a challenge. Ahora voy a empezar a leer de nuevo. I've been wanting to, and I've been meaning to. So please, on the side, DM me some some records. We will. <laughs> Bye. Ciao, chicas. Gracias. Bye.
0: I love that just because I know you and I personally are are biased because our background is in music. Yeah. So listening to her story and the need to want to show off our culture and create a space for us in which we didn't see it before is something that really resonates with us. And it's as Latinas, it's something that we're so proud of.
1: Yeah.
0: And we're always looking to bring our people forward.
1: And I think it's important to share stories like this, because, again, like when I got into the music industry, like aging myself, just turned 41. But there was no YouTube. There was no there was nothing. Right. So I really had to forge a path for myself and I didn't get to meet other Latinas. And now just being able to create space to to be able to mirror each other's stories and being like, okay. you know, we can do this. And also for people to know that, like, if you want to create something big and create um, space for yourself, that you're able to do that authentically is so important, because we can really lose ourselves in trying to be what other people want us to be.
0: Exactly, we really can. And it's the first time on our podcast that we have somebody speak about wondering, like, should I leave my hair curly, my, my hoops, yeah. my lipstick? But that's who we are. It's so ingrained in the way that we grew up. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for living in between two cultures. Right. And, and the way that now we're able to mend both and create that space. But it takes a lot of mindset work and being really aware of who you are so that you don't lose yourself
1: along the way. Yeah. It's funny Not funny, but kind of funny because I don't have curly hair, right? So I always wanted curly hair. I'm going to post a picture so you guys could see what I did once. Not only did I want curly hair, but I wanted like really poofy curly hair. And so I got a perm and then I cut it. So my mom sent me the picture the other day. I'm dying. (laughs) It looked horrible. (laughs) Um, But anyways, I really wanted curly hair. And so I obviously have straight hair. And so for me, it was actually the opposite. Sometimes I really wanted to show up even um, a little louder at times in certain spaces just so that I people would be very clear where my standards were and boundaries for who I am. So I actually, for my hoops to be seen because my hair is straight and it just kind of lays over my, it doesn't bounce, right? It just kind of lays over my ears. I actually will slick my hair back sometimes just so you can see my lipstick better and my hoops. Um, so it was interesting how like, For me, slicking my hair means that I'm gonna be like a little bit more bolder because straight hair is just like straight hair,
0: (laughs) you know? I hear that. Um, I also also love the Maggie said that we made her think about getting a coach. Yeah. Because, you know, part of what kept her so grounded was having the right tribe around her, which is vital. And even you and I we both have coaches even coaches have coaches because we need that clarity going forward and we sometimes underestimate how much we need the right people around us the right environment to keep us clear and focused on where we want to go next because life is messy and things happen to us that we never plan on and it's navigating that stuff that leads to the growth in life
1: and just yesterday uh someone asked me like why would someone need a life coach? And in the past, I think I would have really thought about it and said something like, you know, because you can transform yourself, you could be the better version of yourself, all the things that we talk about, right? But honestly, I was just like, why wouldn't you? Life is hard. You get thrown things all the time. There are different obstacles you have to come over. And we are not mentally equipped to handle a lot of the things that are thrown our way a lot of the times not because we're not strong enough but because it is a skill for you to develop your mind to have the ability to have the different perspectives and make the decisions for yourself that are going to serve you and that's a skill Um, and even when you read and you do the podcast now you're fully aware and it can feel even harder at times because it's hard to apply things, right? Remember when you were in school, you were being taught something and then there was like an application period, right? Then you're being taught things and then there's an application period. Even when you go to college, you're taught things and you got to go out there and get an internship and do the work to get good at it, right? So when they said that, I was like, life was hard. So if you want some support in it, making better decisions for yourself, that's why you would need a life coach. Like to me, it just finally, it was just like, it's actually a very simple answer.
0: Well, not only just when life is hard, but I would argue that especially when life is really good, because then you get like this false confidence because everything's going well yeah. and you tend to fall into bad habits. You're not even aware of well, you get complacent. You
1: know, what I mean by hard, let me backtrack a little bit. What I mean by hard is even when it's good, you can feel like it's hard, right? Cause now you have different types of guilt. Like I have it this good, like I shouldn't want more. Why do I want more? Like all the internal conflicts you go through on a daily basis um, is the parts that a life coach can help you navigate. So I love that she she had that um, little epiphany. Um, but even if you just want to develop your mind reading books and and listening to different podcasts. It's a great place to start. Um, so yeah, we're excited that we had this conversation today because I love talking about authenticity and showing up as your truest self. It's the only way I'm able to function. So I love having that conversation. I just don't feel at ease if I can't be my true self. Exactly. Exactly. And I know our listeners feel
0: the same way. Yes. Happy Friday, everybody. And we'll see you next week.
2: Bye.